When I was seven, my dad would take us on trips to heaven. So it was me and my sister, my younger sister, and when we were getting ready to fall asleep, we'd get tucked into our bed, and he would start to tell us, okay, I don't remember all the details because that was a long time ago when I was little, but he would say, okay, so now we're floating up out of our beds, and we're starting to suddenly, you know, things are changing, and you end up, you see this beautiful field, and you're in it, and there we are in heaven, and we would, he would talk us through, like, this is what it's like, this is who you see there. You all did that, right? So the reason that we were doing that is because we're going to visit my sister. So our family earlier that year had been in a car accident and my older sister had died. And it's very hard to explain to a kid the soul and the body and the idea that she's still alive, but you can't see her anymore. You can't talk to her anymore because she's alive in a different place. So my dad would take us on these trips to heaven. And being a dad, I am a dad of a six-year-old right now. And so I can imagine, okay, yeah, I'll try to, th my, my dad going through, okay, I'll try to think of something to do to, to help these kids who are dealing with their grief while I'm dealing with mine. And maybe it just seemed like a little thing that he was trying to do before we went to sleep. But for me as a kid, I don't really remember much of the content, but I remember the feeling of being so excited. Like we are going to heaven and we're going to go see Annika. And it felt like it was real. That's all I remember is I really felt like we are going on this trip. And I don't know if that's because I was a kid and kids have good imaginations or if it's because Heaven is all around us all the time. And when you're thinking about it, you can actually feel it there. So what we're going to try to do today is feel a little bit of heaven as we talk about what it's like. The place where we're all headed. So I want to do it in three parts. I want to do the welcome the states of inner and outer concerns, and then the state of instruction. And this is the description of the afterlife based on people who say they've seen it and been there, not just had their dad take them through it and imagine it when they were a kid. We're going to get some firsthand accounts of what's there, and let's see if we can, if it's really there, maybe we can feel it coming through as we do this. So let's start with the welcome. This is something that you can find in New Church Theology, and you can find it really powerfully in descriptions from near-death experiences, which is where people, you've probably all heard of them by now, people have some kind of accident or something happens that's threatening their life, and suddenly they're taking their own trip to heaven. And they've come back, and people have written amazing books about it. I want to start with this quote from... Matthew, which it doesn't say explicitly is about life after death, but I think encapsulates the feel of it. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Who, who's heavy laden and laboring? I, I just see that statement working on so many levels. You think about the grind of life. We also think about things like loss and the heaviness of not being able to see people that you love who have died anymore, not really knowing, like maybe you feel like they're still alive somewhere, but you want that confirmation. The Lord is offering rest. And that that's immediately what people discover when they first cross over to the other side. From New Church Theology, this is in heaven and hell. The reason why people experience such an overwhelmingly beautiful welcome 
when they first wake up on the other side is because the other side is full of angels. And angels want nothing more than to welcome people. It says, angels really do love everyone. They want nothing more than to help people, to teach them, to lead them into heaven. This is their highest joy. What's your highest joy? Mine might be roller coasters. For angels, it's bringing, welcoming people into heaven. And the reason why they want to do that is because people are weary and heavy laden, and they know we are going to relieve you of all that. So I want to give a video description here of the process of actually leaving your body and going to heaven. This is from Swedenborg's experiences, which he wrote about in this book, Heaven and Hell. And it's when he says that he was shown, experienced what it would be like to die, but still being able to remember it. So here's a little bit about the actual step itself to take that journey. When someone's body can no longer perform its functions in the natural world, then we say that the individual has died. The person, though, has not died at all because we're not people because of our bodies, but because of our spirits. When we die, we simply move from one world into another. I have not only been told how the awakening happens, I've been shown by first-hand experience. I was brought into a state like the state of people who are dying. I noticed that my physical breathing was almost suspended with a deeper breathing, a breathing of the spirit continuing along with a very slight and silent physical one. At first then, a connection was established between my heartbeat and the heavenly kingdom because that kingdom corresponds to the human heart. I also saw angels from that kingdom, some at a distance, but two sitting close to my head. I remained in this state for several hours. Then the spirits who were around me gradually drew away, thinking that I was dead. I sensed a sweet odor like that of an embalmed body, for when heavenly angels are present, Anything having to do with a corpse smells sweet. If evil spirits smell it, they cannot come near. The angels who were sitting beside my head were silent, simply sharing their thoughts with mine. They accomplished this sharing of thoughts by looking into my face. Later it felt like the deeper levels of my mind were being drawn out, like my spirit was being pulled from my body. When heavenly angels are present with the revived, they do not leave them. But if our soul is such that we can no longer enjoy the company of heavenly angels, we long to get away from them, at which point spiritual angels arrive and give us the gift of light. It seemed as though the angels rolled back a covering from my left eye toward the center of my nose so that my eye was opened and able to see. As this covering seemed to be rolled back, I could see a kind of clear but dim light, like the light we see through our eyelids when we're first waking up. After that, it felt as though something were being rolled gently off my face, and once this was done, I had access to spiritual thought. This rolling something off the face is an appearance, for it represents the fact that we are moving from natural thinking to spiritual thinking. Angels then tell the individual that he or she is a spirit. The great thing about Swedenborg's accounts of life after death is that they will give you all the technicalities. Here's this lever's turning this, this is the equation, why this happened to you at this time, which is really important to have, to understand the tangibility of the afterlife experience. But what they sometimes don't have as a compliment is actually the human side of what it's like to experience 
that welcome on the other side. So I wanted to append to that video. This is a description of a near-death experience from Dr. Mary Neal, who I've actually met in person, and it's just this really sharp yet gentle presence. And she had, there's this whole book that she wrote where she was kayaking, and you'll hear her describe it a little bit here. She got pinned under the water and clinically died, and then had this amazing experience. And this is just a little snippet of her describing the welcome that she got on the other side and just how happy the people there are to see you. So this is just a two-minute clip to round out our picture of what it actually feels like to go spiritual. My name is Mary Neal, and I'm an orthopedic spine surgeon. And in 1999, I went to Chile in South America with my husband. And we went on a kayaking trip and had a wonderful week of boating. Uh, the final day of kayaking, though, I was pinned in a waterfall and drowned. When I drowned, I was very comfortable and very comforted. I found that I knew I was going to have a problem as soon as I crested the waterfall and realized that there was no outflow. I knew that I was going to have a problem and the boat was pinned and the water then completely covered me and I tried all of the usual things to free myself and free the boat and none of them worked. I didn't ask to be saved. I didn't ask for anything in particular other than God's will be done. And at that moment, I was overcome with the most physical sensation of being comforted and held, almost like you would comfort and rock a small baby. And I thought about my husband and I thought about my young children and again and again and again I was reassured that they would be fine I would be fine everything was fine my body or my spirit peeled off of my body and then as I felt my body sink with the current I was free I was greeted by a group of the most joyous spirits. And these were spirits that I couldn't identify as, oh gee, there's my father or my babysitter. Because each of these spirits were more than just that one person. All colors in one at the same time. And they were so filled with love. And that's true of everything having to do with heaven and every angel I talked to. There's this all-encompassing sense of love and uh, joy. A series called I Survived Beyond and Back. You can watch it on Amazon Prime. And there's one guy who tells his story there where it was almost like a celebration where they're like, you're here, and they're hugging him and giving him high fives. So there's some of the love that they're feeling. And I think it's really important to hear her say, like you are being physically held. It gets all the way real. And everybody on the other side is acutely aware of the struggles that you're going through. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. And I think that in her case, she has this extreme event where her body's in a lot of physical distress and still they're comforting her. But all of us, there's that message there that yeah, we understand what you're going through and everything is gonna be okay. And when we're grieving for someone who's no longer with us, the message is, you know, I'm fine and I'm still here. So let's take a second to let that into our heart while we hear some music and we'll get ready then to talk about after the welcome. 
when we're in the life after death, then what? You can't get welcomed forever. You wear out your welcome, right? So what, what do we do next as we prepare to not just show up, but live in this new world? about the mood what's the what's the mood communicated by that song this joyful relief and they're talking about i'm gonna fly away well why don't we just fly away right in the beginning why do we have this whole we're going through life and then both in what mary neal is describing what swedenborg is describing what they're describing in that song there's this release and this relief when we get there well it's because we're actually, it's not just about being alive physically and then dying. It's about a process of growth that we're going through in our life in the world that can then culminate in our transition to the spiritual world, but continues on in a new phase there. So the second stage is about us completing the work of becoming who we are. Because that state of angelic joy that Mary Neal was talking about the state of having rest from our labors that we were hearing Jesus talk about. What is that state? It's not like, okay, I get to heaven and this is so great. Everyone's super nice here. Ah, I've got, okay, I've got a house here. Why did those guys get that house up on the hill over there? And why, why didn't I get it? Until you have rest from your ego, there is no rest. So the second stage is a stage of inner and outer concerns because rest from the ego is when 
we really are who we really know we should be. There's the good stuff that's deep inside us, and then there's what we do day to day. And when those two can get in alignment, that's when God can really start to move through you and put you in the state of mind that we call heaven. And Jesus is talking about this quite a lot in Matthew 23. He says, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish that the outside of them may be clean also. So it's not just about seeming like we're in a state of heaven, which a state of heaven is a state of love for the neighbor. It's about having that inside us and having that come through. It's also about the masks that we wear and trying to get it so that, you know, there's plenty of times when you're like, oh, I'd be so embarrassed if someone saw me right now or if somebody knew I was thinking this right now. If the mask came off, this is not who I want people to think I am. Well, what we do in the second stage of the afterlife is we get to that point. We get to where who you are matches who people think you are. And I'm going to do a little bit of story time here because there's a great treatise on these three stages in Heaven and Hell from Swedenborg. Mine has a little water damage on it, but still works good. So the first state after death is called what Swedenborg calls in his, with his usual technical joviality, the state of outward concerns. But this is what it consists of. It's kind of almost business as usual because we have to remember who we are and what kind of life we led so that we can be ready to connect that to this deeper life of, of the love that really makes heaven what it is. So he says, our first state after death is like our state in this world, since we are then similarly involved in outward concerns. We have similar faces, voices, and character. We lead similar moral and civil lives. This is why it still seems to us as though we were in this world, unless we notice that things are out of the ordinary, and remember that angels told us we were spirits when we were awakened. Which is really curious. You'd think you would, you couldn't forget that. But it, don't, it reminds me of being in a dream. And you never stop to reflect, oh, right, I'm in a dream right now. You just focused on what's at hand. Obviously, when you first come into the afterlife, you're very clear and you understand what's going on, but when you enter this state, it's important for us to get back into our usual mode of life so that we can connect that to this deeper state that we get to in the second thing. So the one life carries on into the other, and death is only a passage. Since this is what we are like as spirits immediately after our life in the world, our friends and people we had known in the world then recognize us. He just puts that as a sentence, but if you think about the joy of that reunion, spirits perceive who we are not only from our faces and voices, but also from the aura of our life when they come near. In the other life, whenever we think about someone, we call up that individual's face in our thought along with many details about her or his life. And when we do that, the other is called to us. It's kind of like FaceTime. It's, it, we've achieved heaven on earth. Things like this happen in the spiritual world because thoughts are shared there and because space is not what it is in the natural world. In particular, I'll just cut it off here. The spiritual world revolves around love. It revolves around the things of consciousness. So here, distance is determined by, if you want a little spiritual physics lesson, Distance is determined by how much matter is between you and a space. But there, distance is determined by how much love there is. So if you, for example, the example I like to give is if people say, how close are you to your father? Um, I'm 20 miles away from my father. No, you're talking about emotional closeness. And there, emotional closeness can lead to actual closeness. 
This is why as soon as we arrive in the other life, we are all recognized by our friends and relatives and by people we have known in one way or another. Further, we talk with each other and continue to see each other in keeping with our friendship in the world. I have heard many people who had just come from the world overjoyed to see their friends again and their friends overjoyed that they had arrived. It often happens that married partners meet and welcome each other joyfully. So you have this state where everything is back. Everyone that you thought was gone is there. They're excited to see you. You're excited to see them. And you actually, it's not like you've left everything behind. Things are the, the, the way that you're acting, the way that you live your life is back there with you. And it seems strange, but it's important because we need to have the life that we lived with us because it's part of how we think and who we are. And then we have the opportunity to connect it to love. It's sort of like when you get a moment, I was actually having a moment backstage when the band was rehearsing and um, they hit some note, they were singing the song that they're about to sing now. Give me one more second then I'll get to you. Um, and it was just this one note in this one, uh, it was like a chord that was going with it and I had this distinct feeling of, that is beautiful. And it reminded me of the importance of love and what's sacred. It's just really quick. It sounds profound, but it's just really quick. But you get snapped into these little moments of, oh, that's what's important in life. It's actually what's kind of beautiful about life is it has so much of this external day-to-day -day stuff, but it, sh it can shine through what's really important. And that's what this process is in the afterlife writ large, that you have, okay, we're back in our normal life, and you're going to see how love shines through that, how it was there all along. So I've got just one short little quote to read about the second stage, the stage of inward concerns. What does it feel like to be let into your inward concerns, to really have what really matters in life be what's front and center, to not have to be worried about how am I paying these bills? Why is my knee hurt again? All the people who have lived lives in the world focused on what is good and have acted in accordance with their consciences. That is, people who have acknowledged the divine being and loved divine truths. And especially people who have applied them to their lives seem to themselves to have awakened from sleep when they are let into this state of their more inward concerns. Like people who have come from darkness into light, they are actually thinking from heaven's light and therefore from a deeper wisdom, and they are acting from what is good and therefore a deeper affection. Heaven is flowing into their thoughts and affections with a profound feeling of blessedness and pleasure that they had never known before. This is because they are in touch with heaven's angels. It doesn't sound so bad. The thoughts you're thinking are there. The feelings you have are there, but heaven is flowing into them. And doesn't it feel like, I'm just saying, when I had that moment backstage, you remember, oh, right, that's what life is about. Oh, yeah, that's what it's about. Whenever you're touched by some genuine love and you've been spending the last you know, three days thinking about the competitive rat race of the human existence, to get snapped back into, oh, right, this is what... This is what love is, this is what sacrifice is, this is what altruism and generosity are, and how beautiful that is. That moment, of, that's what you get in this second state, the state of inward concerns. Once we've got our outer and inner stuff sorted out and we are connecting the two and we know what's important in life, there's a lot we have to learn, and that's what we'll look at in the third section and the third state after death. Some reason to feel not good enough. 
in the arms of the angel may you straight line and everywhere you turn there's vultures and thieves at your back the stone keeps on twisting you keep on building the light but you make up for all that you lack don't make no difference escaping one last time it's easier to believe in this sweet madness oh this glorious sadness that brings me to my knees in the arms of the angel fly away from here from this friendly reminder to make a donation to New Church Live and it's super easy and there's a handful of ways. There's a QR code below which will take you to the donate page or you can text the word New Church Live all one word all lowercase to 77977 and you can make a donation that way or you can visit our website www.newchurchlive.tv and there's a donate tab there. Both places you can set up a reoccurring donation or you can make a one-time donation and all of your support helps fuel everything that happens here at New Church Live. We're so appreciative. Thank you all so much for making a donation. Thanks. It was that part, it was that song that I was talking about. And it was a part, cover your ears for a second, when she's like, fly away from me. That note right there. That was what just reminded me. Oh, yeah. That whole song is talking about, I think she wrote it for the keyboardist of the Smashing Pumpkins. But it's talking about, look at all this stuff, this outward concern stuff. When you have the, the straight line and the vultures and thieves at your back, it's about the arms of the angel. That's what matters. And after we establish that, after we understand that that's what life is about. It's about helping each other. It's about anyone who's in distress of any kind finding peace and comfort and security so nobody's left behind. Then what do you do? Well, you got to learn. Once things are good, you have this feeling of, All right, I want to do stuff. I want to learn stuff. So to be able to really make, our, make for ourselves a life in heaven where we can to this point, we've benefited from all these angels helping us, right, in this journey we're taking. How about we pay it, pay it forward or pay it back? We got to become those angels who can welcome the next person and spread that kind of love and comfort while we're here in this world. So the next stage is a stage of instruction. I love in, in John, Jesus says, these things I have spoken to you in figurative language. But the time is coming 
when I will no longer speak to you in figurative language, but I will tell you plainly about the Father. So yeah, I get it. There's Noah, and he had an ark, and Joseph has a coat, but tell me about what does it mean? What are you really trying to say? So I see this third period that Swedenborg describes in New Church Theology, the period of instruction as a time when we get to hear plainly about God. I'll give you one last little quote from this before we embark on our own learning journey right here. I got a lot of bookmarks, don't I? Then, too, to the extent that the Lord flows into our life, it's describing us when we're in the afterlife, He does teach us. To that same extent, He kindles our intentions with a love of learning what is true and enlightens our thought so that we know what is true. You get it? Yeah, I believe that. To the extent that this happens, our deeper reaches are opened and heaven is sown in them. I love the idea of heaven being like a seed. It's got a, you have to be in a state where you can accept the seed. Right now, the ground is not open. It's frozen shut. This has been spectacularly cold for the past couple weeks, but sometime soon, when that stuff starts to thaw out, then it's open, and then the seed can get in there. So that this learning process, the third state in the afterlife where we're all brought into a state of instruction, is like the planting of a garden. And so I was trying to think of what would we do here? Would I pull out some truths of the kinds of things I think we would learn about if you were to go to like a school or some kind of TED Talk thing in the afterlife? But then I thought, we already can see it happening here. That core of life, the stuff that's really important, people are learning that now. And like I said, the flying away into the afterlife is really just the culmination of a process that we're going through now. So we are learning that. We are being instructed. And so maybe by looking at what we are learning here and making that the focus of life for just a few minutes, but that's what's important, not like, oh, did I lock the car? We get a sense of what it's like to have this instruction period in heaven. So what I did earlier this week or last week or sometime, time and space, is I asked all the New Church Live congregation, what is a truth that you've learned in your life? And not something like... Um, Red sky at night, sailors delight, or whatever that is. Like something that has to do with the core of life that you feel like God taught you. So this is what you all had to say. So let's imagine that we're, we're in the afterlife and we're learning from these great teachers who are going to be up here, these core truths about life. So the first one is from Greg. He says, no matter how much struggle there is living a life in this natural world, there is always the opportunity to change. There is a potential to change. You think about the change, like we're talking about planting heaven in our mind like a garden, the change of the seasons, how nature is always changing, and there's always chance for new growth. But also when somebody tells you a truth like that, you know that it means something really deep to them. So I love the idea of thinking, oh yeah, not just, okay, I can change, like I'll change my shirt, but change in a way that's going to lead me into this happier and happier state. Let's see what else we got. This was on the social media. Vilma said, I thank the Lord. He loves me and teaches me how to live a life according to his righteousness. That's the truth. Live a life according to his will. She thanked the New Church Live community. Donna said, God has taught me to trust in His timing, even though it's not necessarily the timing I would have preferred. Yeah. But in the end, oh, it turns out God had our back. It seemed like you're not giving me this thing right now, but the process of the relationship of building trust with the Creator, that's something that carries over, and that's part of what makes heaven heaven. 
And you can't learn that genuinely except through a life in the world. Denise said, okay, one truth, it can't, they all kind of blend in, which is true, to separate one out is a little artificial, but thanks for humoring me, Denise. Denise said, patience, acceptance, and unconditional love, all of which I'm still a pupil of. Nice gloves, by the way. I was wearing my, like, floppy knitted gloves in that. Okay, then Chuck, you guys know Chuck? He, po- he posted this on his and he got a couple of responses there. Chris said, be generous. When, too, when you bring out the best in others, you too are at your best. Sarah said, to constantly be aware of and grateful for our blessings so that we can be a positive influence on our neighbors. Yeah, gratitude spreads. And finally from Sherry, the only thing you get to take with you is the love that you gave away. And the Beatles say something like that. So that's all, those, those diamonds that we got, there was a lot of pressure in life that got us to where people can produce those when I asked them something, what's something that God has taught you, right? That is the experience and the, the beneficiary that we're all getting to benefit from the journey these people have been on and the learning there. So that learning continues. And you think about people who have not only had part of life, like we are here, but a whole life and on into the afterlife, then teaching us that wisdom, which ultimately is getting closer and closer to God teaching us. It's going to be great. I can't wait to start courses. So that's just the beginning of our journey into the afterlife. But what I hope I could communicate is that it's both of flying free and leaving behind a lot of the stuff that dragged us down here, but it's also a continuation. It's not that none of this mattered. It's not that we'll be in some strange foreign thing. It keeps going. Everything that you've, all the work you've done building your life here, the good parts of that go forward and mean something. So yeah, we can get a little bit of music. Why don't we take a little trip to heaven? I mean, it's, it's not going to be much. I'm not going to actually do like a guided meditation, but I'm just going to give you a series of questions based on this. Because if hopefully us thinking this much about heaven has got heaven close, see if you can sort of feel an answer or some answers to these. So let's just imagine for a minute that we're at the end of a full productive life. It's not anything shocking, but it's time for us to move on. And let's say that we take this journey. When you wake up, what do you see? Who's there? What do they say? What do they do? And how do you feel? As you start to move into the outward state where your life is coming back to you and now from this new spiritual perspective, you're sort of getting to sift through that. What falls away for you? And what stays? And after we've come to really be connected with who we are and what's important in life, What questions do you have? What do you start to learn? What are you most excited to learn about? Where do you go? Where do you end up? What what new kind of life are you embarking on uh, in the life after death? You don't need to dwell on it a ton in this life, but it can be really great to have that on your horizon. It can inform the way that you live now. If we know eventually love is what's going to matter. You can't be focused on that every second. You got a lot of stuff to do here. You do need to know whether or not you locked the car, but you can check in with that. That's sort of that North Star.
that this is where it's going. And you can do that anytime. I'll give you an opportunity as we do our prayer to connect with that or anything you'd like. I'll say the Lord's Prayer. If you want to say it along or say it in your head or just, just sit and reflect, and then we'll give you a minute or two of time to think. Our Father, who art in the heavens, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As in heaven, so upon the earth. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Think about the joy of that forever, that there is a good forever that God is bringing us into. So just let it all settle. Any imagery you got in that little meditation we did, any thoughts or questions or reflections you have, just take a moment to let them start to grow. Thanks for coming today. And I love the idea of moving towards uh, this awesome future with all of you. And I hope you can take that out and, and have it brighten your days as you go forward. So we're gonna close with a last song here and, and kind of think about those seeds sprouting in you more and more. I'm living. How far is heaven? So I 
gotta have some faith and just keep on giving. How far is heaven? Lord, can you tell me? How far is heaven? Cause I just wanna know how far. How far is heaven? Lord, can you tell me? Thank you guys. Have a great week. See you next week. Thank you.